ever desire to walk more closely with God? That should be the desire of every Christian. Join us today as Pastor Rander looks at a man that the Bible says had a unique walk with God in this message, Enoch, a man who walked with God. He will be teaching from Genesis chapter number 5, verses 22 through 24. Now let's listen in. Father, you brought us a long ways. We pray that you would use me now to preach truth and restrain the work of the enemy. Help me to preach with clarity, authority, but most of all, in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children say, Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, to chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Genesis, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 is our text. If someone knew you doesn't have a Bible, share your Bible so that they too can see the Word of God for themselves as well. Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Now keep your Bibles open because we will be moving back and forth through the Scripture. The Scripture reads, After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. From this particular passage of scripture, we want to preach Enoch, a man who walked with God. Enoch, a man who walked with God. Let's look at Enoch's genealogy. Enoch's genealogy. The biography of Enoch is very brief but nonetheless very important. Even though we don't know anything about Enoch's profession, the scripture does, does give us some insight into Enoch's ancestry. Enoch's name means dedicated. His name means dedicated. He was a descendant of Seth and was the seventh descendant Listed in Adam's line, according to Genesis chapter 5, verses 3 through 24, and 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 1 through 3a. In the line, Enoch was the seventh in the line of Adam. You had in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3a, you have Adam, you have Seth, you have Enosh, you have Canaan. You have Mahalalel, you have Jared, and then you have, in verse 3, Enoch, seventh from the line of Adam. And in the book of Jude, 14a, uh, it also says, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Now, at first glance, the phrase seventh from Adam seems insignificant. But there were two Enochs in this period. There was Enoch, the son of Cain, and Enoch, the son of Jared. Both of them probably lived at the same time. Now be mindful, there is a distinct difference between the two Enochs in Scripture, and the Scripture clearly points it out. The Enoch who walked with God was the seventh descendant from Adam through the line of Seth, and he was righteous. 
While the other Enoch was the third descendant from Adam through the line of Cain and was probably godless like his father Cain. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 17, and Cain knew his wife. In other words, the word knew is a euphemism. It, it means that Cain had sex with his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now, a common question is often asked, and that is, where did Cain get his wife? <laughs> Good question, isn't it? Since we only know about Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel up to this point in scripture, the most obvious answer must be that Adam and Eve had other children, including sons and daughters. Therefore, we can conclude that Cain must have married his sister. In the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, the scripture reads, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters after Cain and Abel. Now, according to the book, The Hard Sayings of the Bible Commentary, and I quote, Cain must have married his sister, but to admit this is to raise a further difficulty. Was he thereby guilty of incest? At least two things can be said in response to this reproach. First, if the human race was propagated, from a single pair, meaning Adam and Eve, we believe the evidence indicates such closely related marriages were unavoidable. The demands for some other way of getting the race started is an unfair expectation. In the second place, the notion of incest must be probed more closely. At first, the sin of incest was connected with sexual relationships between parents and children. Only afterwards was the notion of incest extended to sibling relationships. By Moses' time, there were laws governing all forms of incest by time the Mosaic law was enacted. In the book of Leviticus, to show you what I'm saying, chapter 20, verses 11 through 12, and verse 14, and verse 17, verses 20 through 21. Let's start with Leviticus chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. It says, the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Verse 12. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. Verse 14, if a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. Verse 17, if a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. 
he shall bear his guilt. In verse 20, if a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. Verse 21, if a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. We can see in scripture that by the time the Mosaic law was given by God, sexual relationships within the immediate family were strictly prohibited. Now, the genetic reasons for forbidding incest were not always an issue. Close inbreeding in ancient times was without serious or any genetic damage. Today, the risk of genetic damage is extremely high. Since the genetic possibilities of Adam and Eve were excellent due to their gene structure not being degraded by sin, there were no biological reason for restricting marriage to the degree that it became necessary to do later. Enoch was the son of Jared, and he lived just before the universal flood. He was the father of Methuselah. Enoch was the father of Methuselah, whose name has several meanings. What does Methuselah name mean? It means man of javelin. It means man of javelin, J-A-V-E-L-I-N. It also means man of the sending forth. It means man of the sending forth. And another meaning of Methuselah's name is when he is dead, it will be sent. When he is dead, it will be sent. In other words, what will be sent? The universal flood would come uh, shortly after Methuselah's death. Methuselah lived for how many years? 969 years. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Now you're talking about old. That's old. The Lord revealed to Enoch that a universal flood would be unleashed upon the earth after Methuselah died. And that it would be sent forth like a javelin, which is the meaning of Methuselah's name. Methuselah's living 969 years is significant in that after he died, the universal flood came as found in Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 27. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 27, if you can turn there quickly, if you can't, just listen to me read. Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 27, it says, Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 23. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Verse 25. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, 
Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 27, so all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. The longevity of Methuselah's life was was God's long-suffering. The longevity of Methuselah's life was long-suffering and it was full of grace to give a wicked generation an opportunity to repent and turn to God. That long span of Methuselah's life was a tremendous act of grace and long-suffering giving that wicked generation of that day a chance to repent, an opportunity to repent and return to God. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 969 years. We talk about how long he lived, but we don't talk about why he lived that long. You see, his living that length of time was a tremendous act of grace and patience and long suffering on part of God. So that wicked man would have a chance, an opportunity to repent and turn to God, lest the flood come and wipe them out. Let's look at Enoch's walk. Label this Enoch's walk. Number one. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22b and 24a, that Enoch walked with God. You'll see that twice in two verses. Verse 22b, Enoch walked, that, there it is, with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And verse 24a, and Enoch walked with God. Like Enoch, believers today are commanded to walk with God. Walking with God is just not exclusive to Enoch. God expects his people even today to what? Walk with God. Let me give you some scriptures as it relates to walking with God. You can just jot them down. Don't try to turn and find them all. I'll read them and you jot the reference down. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. A second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, for we walk, we live by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5, 16 says, I say then walk, live in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And then in Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. My friends, Enoch walked with God in an age where it was very rare to find anyone who was serious about the Lord. Enoch lived in a very evil culture, a very dark culture, 
a very satanic culture. Everything under the sun was being done. The evil we see today is nothing new. Even back in Enoch's day, the world was immensely wicked. It was so wicked that the scripture says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intent, every thought was continually evil in the sight of God in Enoch's day. And even today, it is not easy to walk with God, especially in today's culture where sin is glamorized and it's so easy to sin. Even with the cell phone and iPhones and all of these things, it's so easy to sin. Right here in America, we have sexual immorality, materialism, the occult, we have rape, murder, we have drugs, pornography, prostitution, murder of the unborn, on and on it goes. Therefore, walking with God is a choice. Walking with God is a decision. You see what I'm saying? You have to make up your mind to live for God. You have to be determined to walk with the Lord. Listen, if you don't, you won't walk with him. Beloved, be it known to you, either you're walking with God or you're not. And which are you doing? Are you today living for God? Are you living for self? Are you living for for the things of this world? Or are you walking with the Lord? Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Are you walking with God? Are you living for God or are you living in rebellion against God? If you fail to make a decision to walk with the Lord like Enoch and be persistent and determined to follow Christ, you'll be swept away by the tide of this wicked and perverted generation. Like Joshua, we must make up our mind to serve the Lord. Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow, what a statement. What would families be like if fathers would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? What would homes be like if mothers would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? We're not going to do like the families are doing down the street. We are God's family. And now, listen, when people walk in your house, they ought to be, your home, they ought to be able to sense the presence of God. You ought to have some scriptures on the house, in the house. And around the house if necessary. Do you ought not have a scripture tucked back in your restroom somewhere. When folk walk in the entrance, they ought to take note that your home belongs to God. Somebody making a delivery, somebody coming in to fix something. If they don't know Christ, they ought to say, ooh, look. I mean, they ought to be impacted by what they see. You walk in the doors of our home, you see crosses everywhere. You see scriptures everywhere. People look around and they can see something's different about our home. That's right. Some of y'all got junk and whatnots all everywhere and don't have a, a word from the Lord on, on the wall. That's right. Uh, don't have a cross anywhere. 
Nobody can tell that your house belongs to God. And listen, and then y'all, once you put those things up, you need to live in that house like you belong to God. Now don't put crosses on the walls and scriptures on the wall and you're in there fighting like cats and dogs. Won't y'all say amen? <laughs> Enoch's walking with God meant that he lived a life pleasing to God. Walking with God means that you are living a life that is what? Pleasing to, to the Lord. Walking with God means to live in daily fellowship with God. It means to live in daily fellowship with God. Walking with God meant that, that Enoch had continual intimacy with God. Enoch's walking with God meant that he had a deep abiding communion with God, which brought about an overwhelming sense of God's presence in Enoch's life. I want you to listen to this message closely. What does it mean to walk with God? It means to live for God. Live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. It it means to live in continual fellowship with God. Walking with God, my friends, means to have continual intimacy with God. It is a deep abiding communion with God which brings about an overwhelming sense of God's presence in your life like it did Enoch's. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. You want joy? You you need to be in the presence of God, in right relationship with God, communing with God. Enoch's relationship with God and God's relationship with Enoch was so enjoyable. It was so delightful. They enjoyed each other greatly. That's right. They had such a sweet communion until they couldn't do without each other. I mean, they they conversed together. They listened to each other talk. The communion and the fellowship and the intimacy was just tremendous. It was delightful. It was enjoyable. What brings you joy? What brings you delight? Is it the television? Is it the internet? Is it the job, the career? Is it clothes and jewelry? Is it money? Is it travel? Listen, nothing should transcend your relationship with Jesus Christ. Enoch enjoyed basking in the presence of God. I like saying it that way. The Lord gave it to me. He enjoyed basking in the presence of God. He enjoyed listening to God. He enjoyed talking with God. He enjoyed walking with God. He enjoyed fellowshipping with his God. Their relationship with each other was so enjoyable and so delightful. Multitudes of people live in this world and die without ever walking with God. Live 40, 50, 60 years and never live for God. Never live for God. You first must believe by faith that God is. Now, if you don't believe that God is, you can't walk with someone that you don't believe exists. Multitudes of people live in a world and die and never walk with God. You must first believe that God is And once you believe that he is, you just can't believe that he exists. Once you believe that he is, then you need to enter into a saving relationship with God. 
Well, I believe there's a God. Well, demons believe in God and tremble. So you're not doing any more than the demons. You not only must believe that God exists, you must have a personal relationship with God, my friends. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, then make up your mind to live for him. Enoch walked with God. Let's transition. I pose another question. How did Enoch please God? How did his life please God? Y'all hanging with me? How did Enoch's life please God? Number one, Enoch's life pleased God because Enoch was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verses 5 through 6 says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch was a man of faith. Enoch, while on earth, he lived by faith in God and God was the object of his faith. Enoch believed in the true and living God of the scripture. He lived for God. He sought to please God at any cost. He had an unwavering faith in God. He had uncompromising obedience to God. He had unwavering faith and uncompromising obedience to God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.